I think ghosting is the dumbest shit, frankly. I I hate it so much. The only time I've ever ghosted someone is, and I made the joke before, she was racist. Um, <laughs> which is ironic because you'd think they'd really enjoy ghosts with the hoods and the, anyway. So. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Hello and Goodbye. It's just me for the intro today. My co-host Jared is actually in Philadelphia right now visiting his family, so I'm excited for him to get to be able to do that. And first of all, I have such an amazing episode for you guys today. My guest is absolutely hilarious. We recorded about a month ago, and um, I've just been saving it for the right week with everything going on, and I felt like this was the perfect time. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen, and I, I will keep this intro really short so we can get right into the content. But what I was going to say is Jared and I actually recorded next week's episode a couple days ago, so before I'm recording this intro. So I'm going to let you guys wait a little bit before you hear about what's kind of going on with New York guy and with my program because we discuss all of that in next week's episode. So you're gonna have to hang tight and uh, it'll all be explained next week and it's such a great episode. So make sure you guys tune in. It's the part two of dating and spirituality. For those of you who maybe are listening for the first time, I'm in a dating coaching program with a psychologist. Her name is Dr. Morgan, and she was a guest on my show, episode 15, um, about attachment theory. And it was such an amazing episode, and I really felt a connection with her. So I decided to do this program. I am halfway through the eight week mark, and I'm so excited. I've just, I've been learning so much. We talked about repetition compulsion this week, which is the idea that we continue to put ourselves in the same situations to try and get a different outcome that's actually going to heal us from pain and hurt that we've been through. So that's been really powerful to kind of work on. But again, I'll go into more detail of that next week. I did want to give you guys a quick update on my dog, Olive. So I did talk about how she hurt her leg and I was able to take her to a special doctor, an orthopedic surgeon, and she does need surgery. So it's confirmed her surgery is going to be on July 22nd. She tore her essentially ACL um, in her left knee. So I have been reaching out for donations for that. It's very expensive and the pandemic has brought some, some income loss for me. However, it's definitely not something that I would want anybody to feel guilty over not doing. So if you're able to donate towards all of surgery, you can Venmo me, <laughs> hi baby, at Leanna slash Joan. So Leanna dash Joan, or just send us a lo some love or maybe a prayer and um, just think about us. You can follow her on Instagram. She has an Instagram account at Olive Oil Paws, and I will keep you guys updated as well. So she is on full restriction. She's in 
um, gated areas or she, I have a ramp up to my bed so she can go up or down the ramp. She's on some medications that help sedate her a little bit. So we are, we are in this for the long haul. It's going to be after her surgery, it's going to be eight weeks of recovery time. So it's going to be a lot. So again, just, just keep us in your thoughts. And other than that, I don't really think there's anything else to update you guys on since you're going to get that full update next week. I know, and it's, it's crazy. This is like the shortest intro I've ever had. So um, yeah, I'm just excited to, to get going here and I hope you guys enjoy. All right, guys. Well, I want to welcome my next guest. He has over 150 million views on YouTube and he is the co-founder of the Nowhere Comedy Club. Please welcome Steve Hofstetter. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, you know, all things considered, can, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I feel weird being like, I'm doing great. You know, people, <laughs> people are dying, but I'm not. So yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm making do with what we got. I forgot to say that, obviously, you're a comedian. I mean, not obviously, you know, it depends <laughs> on who you ask. <laughs> I've definitely had some people leaving shows wondering. Um, but, <laughs> uh, did I just well, go I, see Hall and Oates? I'm not sure. I saw your show and I thought it was fantastic. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. So just can you tell my listeners a little bit of a little, maybe a background about how you got into comedy, where you are with it now? Sure. Um, well, I was found in a meteorite under a truck in Kansas, small town. <laughs> um two people real real nice folks uh no i <laughs> I, I you know i i started doing stand-up when i was in college um i actually started doing improv uh when i was 13 years old um i wrote a book all about that quick plug go get ginger kid it's a good book um i had to narrate the audiobook and it was weird having a director tell me to be more me and also having <laughs> also having her be right that was the worst part <laughs> Um, but yeah, I got a, I got into comedy as a way to, you know, when I started doing improv when I was 13, it was the first time I've, I had ever gotten positive attention in my life. And it just became a, a passion of mine. And I just started doing it more and more. And I was unemployed and, and found comedy as a way to kind of pass the time. And, and the way I put it is, it was like being thrown into the ocean and finding out I was a fish. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you. Okay, so so you were doing like tours year round, mm -hmm. and then that got brought to a halt because if anyone remembers, we're in a pandemic. Yes. Um, so what have you done with your time and how have you implemented comedy into this time? Uh, I've never been busier, actually, which is crazy because I had a I had a sold out tour cancel. I had over forty sold out tour dates canceled, um, and you know, and then some others that were not sold out. But <laughs> I, I had you know I had dozens and dozens of gigs wiped off the schedule. But um, Ben Glebe and I created the Nowhere Comedy Club, which is a it's a way for comedians to perform from home and to mimic the stand-up experience as much as possible. Um, a lot of people are doing that wrong. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, let's do a Zoom show, but we got to mute the whole audience in case someone speaks up. And it's like, you know, audience can speak up at a comedy club also. Like mm -hmm. that's, 
And I understand they're not mic'd at a comedy club, but at the same time, you can't kick them out with the press of a button at a comedy club. They're gives and mm-hmm. takes. So, right. um, yeah, so we created Nowhere, and it's been going really, really well. Um, later this week, we'll, we will be selling our 10,000th our 10, ticket um, wow. in under two months. Yeah, we've had uh, Nikki Glazer and Doug Benson and Alonzo Bowden and Ida Rodriguez and Christian Finnegan and Josh Wolf and the Sklar Brothers, and it's just been an amazing journey and I've I've been working so hard and I'm really tired. And I see <laughs> I see people talking about how bored they are and I'm just like how do you not have a list of stuff you want to do? And I understand it's different when someone can't bring themselves to do it because they're dealing with the stress or the anxiety or the depression. There's a lot of things going on right now. But if you're feeling genuinely adjust well adjusted and you're still bored, like create something and it doesn't have to be art it could be anything i spare time i like to build furniture and that's something i haven't gotten to do yet um but you can just make go make something Mm -hmm. yeah i totally agree i mean i've been really busy as well during this whole time it's kind of crazy like with people just saying they don't have anything to do there's so many things to do. And when we are busy, we're always like, Oh, I wish I had this time to do all these things. And now is this time. So it it absolutely is. And I thought I do find though that 80% of my day is spent doing dishes, which is a little (laughs) bit much. They never show that in I am legend. There wasn't a single part of I am legend where he was just doing dishes. (laughs) You cook for yourself. You have to. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay, well, can you tell us a little bit before we kind of get into the content of the episode? Can you tell us a little bit about your book, Ginger Kid, and like how that came about and kind of where, well, yeah, go ahead. You take it over. So, Ginger Kid is, uh, it has been called a tragic comic memoir. Um, <laughs> it is about my high school years. The, my favorite review of it, so uh, one of the reviewers said, the only thing I don't like about this book is that it wasn't around when I was in high school. And yeah, I loved that. And it is basically, it's meant to kind of be a relatable manual for how to get through high school, you know, showing that whether you've been through much worse than what I went through, or whether you haven't, you didn't face what I went through at all. I think there are a lot of aspects of it, of the humanity of it that are relatable and to Mm -hmm. show people that I wanted to call it, it may or may not get better. (laughs) Um, and my editor gave me a firm no, because as it turns out, that's not just an anti-bullying thing. That's an anti-bullying of LGBTQ people. And I was like, okay, that's a fair critique. Okay. Um, but the point, the point of that phrase is that life doesn't inherently get better because you get older, you get more opportunity for it to get better. Um, you know, you learn more, other people learn more, people mature, but it gets better if you make it better you know, put, put your head down, put the work in. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the philosophy of the book. The philosophy of the book is not, you know, that phrase, you could do anything if you just set your mind to it. I find that to be bull. I think Mm -hmm. you can do anything if you set your mind to it and you put the work in and that's kind of where the book goes. And so, and it talks a lot about my failures of various things. It talks about my failures of, um, you know, of, I, I kept trying to find a way to fit in. Like I kept trying to, to be good at things because my friends were good at things, not because I genuinely enjoyed them. And I tried to learn how to play guitar and I tried to draw and I tried to do all these things that weren't my thing. 
And then I found comedy to be my thing. Um, one of the things that the book talks about is dating, which I think is appropriate for your oh. podcast. Uh, and, you know, various crushes I had on people. And when you're young, it's basically like, oh, we get along so well. Why is that? Well, because I think she's pretty. Like, that's, that's <laughs> all it is. And also, some people never grow out of that. But it's it's a question of, like, who's not mean to you and who's pretty? And that's who you like. <laughs> And, and even then that, that first part doesn't even matter that much. Um, it's, and, and so one of the things that was really interesting while writing the book was I ended up becoming more sympathetic to people who I had previously written off mm. because to be able to look at it in context and be able to go, Oh, she was 14. Also, mm. she was also going through shit. And so that's, mm. you know, I, I, that was an interesting part of the process that I didn't expect. Yeah. So I love that. And so kind of on that, that um, topic of dating and how you put that in your book, I kind of thought today we could do, well, I asked my listeners a bunch of questions about what they would love if they could ask a man anything, like what would they ask? And so you are representing all men right now. Ooh, an acting gig. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, how do you feel about that? All right. I'm I'm in. I'm a little worried because some of the men I don't really want to represent. So I think I only, <laughs> I represent one portion of them. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what these questions are. Okay. So that actually leads me right into my first question, which is the hashtag not all men movement. And... I find it so frustrating as a woman that men are out there being like, not all men, not all men. So, and I know that this episode, I'm going to get some of that feedback because we're generally going to speak about men and certain behaviors. So I'm curious of what your thoughts are on the not all men movement and why men feel they need to justify that versus just like, being on our side. Well, I think it, it sucks to be lumped in with assholes and it's not fair. Um, I was, when I was in college, um, I was a writer for the paper and I covered uh, the take back the night March. And for those unfamiliar, take back the night is a wonderful movement that, you know, the purpose of it was to empower young women and they would march late at night and basically be like, we should be able to walk around at night whenever we want. And so we're taking back the night. And that's a mm. wonderful thing. Mm. I was marching with them. I mm. was covering them positively. Mm-hmm. I was yelled at for being a rapist because I was a guy. Mm. I was called a rapist. I was called an assaulter. I was called an abuser. I was called horrible things. And I was like, hey, I'm, try- I'm trying to be a good guy here. Mm-hmm. And so... Yes, there are plenty of people that go, not all men, because they're hiding the fact that they're an abuser and a horrible person. And there are also people who are like genuinely trying to be allies. And it feels like shit to be told you're not. And it feels like shit to be pushed away. And my belief on this is that every movement needs allies outside of that movement. Every movement in history has needed allies. The Civil Rights Act never would have been passed if all white people were against it. Mm-hmm. The 
gay marriage never would have passed if straight people didn't start to be like, oh yeah, we're being assholes and we should help. Mm -hmm. And my view on this is if you turn every, if you turn your allies into enemies, who's left? Mm -hmm. It's all enemies. And so while I think that hashtags of not all men are stupid Mm -hmm. and like there are some guys that just want to be like, just shut up and let the adults talk. Mm -hmm. um, I also think that there needs to be a, a more concerted effort to understand who allies are mm-hmm. and that allies are a positive thing. Yeah. And I think, I think more so like the uh, feedback that I've gotten are like, I'll post a meme. That's like, you know, something that is generalizing a man or whatever. And then someone will be like, well, that's not all men. And it's like, duh. Like it's not, yeah. you know, so it's like, so I'm not actively being like, pointing out a guy that's on my side and being like, you suck because obviously I have men in my life that I love, that I respect. And so it's more so like, does it have to happen like every time? (laughs) And, and I know like in this episode, although I think you do a good job of, of bringing um, a nice kind of evenness to probably my fieriness, but um, I don't know. I, that's that was just kind of my thought of it is like like for instance I asked a I had a dating guy on my episode a couple Fridays ago and I asked people like what questions do you have and like a lot of the women were like why are men so shitty you know and um, I have so, no problem with that question by the way yeah it's just a it's a great question and men are shitty are all men shitty. No, but did I have any men that were like, why are women shitty? No, I didn't because probably the majority are men. I don't know. But also, also the majority of my listeners are probably women. Well, but also there are a lot of men who, no matter how shitty women are to them, they're like, but they have boobs and I like boobs. So it's okay. <laughs> so you have that also to factor in. But, but what you were saying, the idea of the meme, like, when I post a joke, and first of all, I try to be careful in my language. I try to not use all as a term. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone says, like, all men are blah, 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 then I understand a guy bristling and being like, no, not not all men. And that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. But if you just say men are, you're not saying every man. You're saying the general stereotype of a guy. And I'm not offended because it doesn't apply to me. If, yeah. if you're making a joke about how, you know, guys are shitty because they're not romantic, like I'm a romantic. And so I'm not offended by that because I'm I know I know what land I'm standing on. Mm-hmm. My feet are firmly planted on the land and I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I always find that funny when I'll write a joke. Uh, like I, I wrote a joke the other day about how it's so weird that like how can one person own multiple pieces of camouflage clothing and hate wearing masks <laughs> now that joke has nothing to do with it's not saying everyone who owns camo doesn't like wearing masks it's saying i saw someone with camo with no mask and i was like it's and and the the caption of it said just think of it as camo for your dumb face and so the people who, the people who got offended are who I'm talking about. And right, that's why they yeah. were offended. Yeah. And I, 
and I think that's I think that's the main thing is like if you're offended by it, it's probably uh, hitting a nerve or pinching a yes. nerve or whatever. Okay, so next question. When <laughs> so this is from me as well. So why when I so I'm talking to someone on a dating app. And I'm like, I'm very, like, you know, this, I'm very bold. I just kind of speak my mind. I'm very honest. And I don't like, I don't, I'm not patient. Like, I don't like waiting around. Like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. I don't want to waste my time. So why on a dating app, we're having a conversation and I'll be like, Hey, listen, do you want to just go to a FaceTime and kind of, you know, see what I stop hearing from them? Like 90% of the time, like just no response Oh Just yeah, that fall guy. Off the planet. That guy's got an ugly face. That's the problem. <laughs> you've just you've just found its weakness. You're like, wait, on Facetime, can I touch it up? Can I do the perfect angle? You end up Facetiming them, and the whole time they're just like. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I have learned in this pandemic that holy shit, it is difficult to Facetime without a tripod, without looking like you have 85 chins. Just yes. Every time I'm on Facetime, it's like. <laughs> well the trick is the trick is you have to have the camera coming from above yes but then you can't talk to someone just being like hey how are you this whole time this is great um i understand the audio version of this is going to be confusing but the i think that that's a good thing i realized many years ago that the more honest you can be on a dating app the less first dates you'll get but the more second dates you'll get ah and like there that. are plenty. There are plenty of people who just want the first dates, figuring that like, oh, but then I'll win her over with my charming personality. No, you, shut up. No, you won't. Um, Chris Bowers has a great joke about how like whatever your thing is needs to be your thing on the first date. And you know they say that like, oh, this guy's changed, and it's like, no, he's not changed. He's just he just stopped lying to you. Mm. <laughs> like, start just be the person you know, be, be the, or, or, I mean, the idea of she's trying to change me. It's like, no, she's trying to get you to be the guy that you said you were in the first place. Ah, oh, that's and, really interesting. And so the joke is basically like, if, you know, if you're a Star Trek fan, wear a Star Trek uniform on the first date, <laughs> she might leave, but if she stays for dessert, that's your soulmate. And that's, <laughs> uh, okay. So on that note, yeah. What if you could just guess what percentage of guys on dating apps are just looking for hookups? Um, I'm talking like I'm talking Bumble and Hinge. So I'm not talking Tinder, which is your typical like hookup app. Okay. Um, what percentage of guys are just looking for hookups? Well, okay. So there are guys who are specifically not looking for hookups, you know, religious mm -hmm. guys. There are guys who there only are guys who, religious guys aren't looking for hookups. Not all religious guys start ahead. <laughs> um, so no, I'm saying there are, there are guys who are specifically against hooking up. That was the category I was saying. Okay. There are guys who only want hookups. And then I think the majority of guys fall into the category of looking for a hookup but if it turns into the right thing, then great. Mm. And and I think that that is, I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's the category I fall into, um, which is probably why I defend that category. But the, so I, the idea- So oh, hold on, you're looking for hookups? Looking for a hookup that if it turns into something more, great. Because I, I firmly believe that if you do not, like 
sex is such a part of compatibility that if you, I, there's an old bit, um, God, this is forever ago. The idea of someone who wants to like no sex for the first three months. And it's like, okay, so you spend three months of your life finding out whether or not this guy's an asshole. And then, and then if, if he becomes an asshole, the second you have sex, well, you just wasted three months of your life. Mm-hmm. And the, the joke was, you know, wouldn't you rather find out right away? And all I'm saying is if you love something, fuck it and see what it does. Um, <laughs> because that's, that is how you figure out if someone is a moral person. If they turn into an asshole after sex, I'd rather find that out right away. And that's true for women as well. Um, now, you also might want to say, you also say, could say, and totally justifiably, like, well, I don't want to waste that on someone that... I, you know, that turns out to be an asshole. It's like, okay, well, you'll, you won't find out that though. Like you, if that's all he wants, you don't necessarily know that until afterward anyway. So. Oh my gosh. I have so many thoughts on this. Go um, for it. Okay. So. Okay. So one, I would say, yes. uh, don't you think that you can find out a major part of sexual compatibility without actually having penetrational sex. Oh, it it doesn't have to be penetrational sex. And I'm not saying like some weird tantric thing where you like hold your dick over their shoulder or they don't <laughs> touch or some, I'm not talking about that either. I mean, like you can absolutely f- figure out compatibility by making out with someone um, okay. or a decent like, amount of compatibility. But that also to me, maybe I'm using the word hooking up. Hooking up to me means like making out or more. Okay. Okay, see, hooking up to me means having sex. See, there are so many things that are part of hooking up. So you're saying that, like, if two people go down on each other, that's not that's not a hookup? <laughs> I don't know. I just, okay, so I just, I, well, and we talked about this on last week's episode, but I just, I have a lot of hangups over sex. Okay. And I'm very sensitive to someone just wanting to have sex with me if I don't know that they actually want to like invest time in me romantically and, And you know, and so to me, like if I were, so like, let's say I were talking to you on a dating app and Mm -hmm. you said, Hey, listen, I just want to be honest with you. Like I'm definitely looking for a fun time. And then, you know, we can see where it goes from there. I would be like, I can't, I can't do that because what happens is, I get attached so easily to that like fun time and then I have expectations and then I end up getting hurt. And so, um, okay. So, so, and my listeners know this already, but I guess, so my next question is there are some guys that, okay, well, in my opinion, most guys, hashtag not all men, um, would love to have sex with you on the first date. Right. But some of those guys will never call you back if you sleep with them because you slept with them on the first date. And some of those guys are like, I don't care. So why is why is there that differentiation? Those guys are so fucking stupid. Why would you have sex with someone you don't want to have sex with again? Now, I understand that, like, like look, if you were just after sex and, and if you have sex with someone and the sex is horrible. OK, totally get that. Or if you have sex with someone and in the process of that, something goes really weird or awkward or, 
you know, there are other things like the physical sex could be good, but then the emotional response afterward or, or hell, you could have sex with someone and everything's great. And then uh, she says something super racist. Like there's other (laughs) ways to ruin the night. There are other ways to ruin things. But what I'm saying is the, the idea of like a guy who just wants numbers, that to me doesn't make any sense. I'll never get in the head of that guy. I don't know. And to clarify what I said earlier it's not like, oh, I meet someone and they're hot, but they're an idiot and I still want to have sex with them. Like, no, I want some sort of connection, mm-hmm. but I also am not on a friend app. It is a dating app. Mm-hmm. It is an app that involves you swipe on each other. A large part of that is because you're physically attracted to the person. Mm-hmm. Like the idea, the amount of times that, that someone has said to me in an early conversation, so what do you do for a living? And I'm just like, it. It says I'm a comedian in my profile. There are three pictures of me on stage. Like, what do you, how, how much clear do I have to get? Oh, you swiped on the first picture and you moved the fuck on. Yeah. And like, I don't blame them for that because we've all done that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but anyway, back to the, back to the point is I think that there is a distinction between a one night stand and a first night stand. And I think that if two people are very attracted to each other and they're vibing, and they're probably going to have sex on the next date or, or two dates later anyway, then what is the artificial, I don't understand the whole artificial, like, well, my rule is three dates. It's like, okay, but what defines a date for you? Does it have to be a certain amount of time? Is it, is it, is your rule getting to know someone better or is your rule going back to your house twice? Like to Mm -hmm. me, going back to your house twice doesn't make you know someone better. Spending time with them and genuinely connecting past a, you know, what do you do for a living? How's the weather kind of conversation? That's when you actually bond with someone. And that can happen on date one or that can happen on date 12. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think for me, like, I definitely need to feel like an emotional safety, which comes with time. Like that can't Mm -hmm. necessarily come for me from a few days of talking and then one hangout, you know, but I understand as well. It's a little, I think it tends to be a little different for men and for some women too. Some women are into hookups and can have casual sex and be fine. You know, I just, I'm not one of those. So yeah, and and the thing that I try to remember is I try not to put my hangups on someone else. And like I know that I am someone that does enjoy an emotional connection. I I'm someone no no matter if I'm sleeping with someone who is a girlfriend or I'm sleeping with someone who is who is a first date that would just we get along really well, I like cuddling. It is mm-hmm. a thing I enjoy doing. It doesn't mean I'm going to try to force someone to also enjoy that. Now I'm lucky in that like most women enjoy that as well. Mm-hmm. But if there's someone who's just like, ah, after sex, I just like to kind of be on my own, do my own thing for a second. I have to respect that and not take it personally. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's something we can all get better at myself included. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Just kind of understanding someone else's boundaries and trying to respect that. Yeah. And someone else's preferences as well. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Next question. So this, this came up a a few different times and kind of different wording, but how do you, how do you know when a guy really likes you? Um, (laughs) 
I mean, I, I again, I think it's it's drastically different depending on the guy. Mm-hmm. Like, there are guys who can't not text a woman. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, there are guys who, like, I was uh, I was on the road with a buddy, and he was texting back and forth with this girl, and he was very very excited. Like they had met, they hit it off. They were going to hang out the next day. They had they had made plans. And he was talking to me about like the, oh, do you think this text is good and et cetera. And so he wishes her good night and they have plans for a specific place and time the next day. And she says good night back. And then he's like, what do I say? And I said, <laughs> shut your fucking phone off and go to sleep. That's what you say. <laughs> you, you don't need to have the last word. Like, yeah what is this impulse that you have that's forcing yeah. you to do ah i have to do i send an emoji do i send a gif it's like no you fucking go to sleep go to sleep <laughs> talk to her tomorrow you'll be fine yeah. and so i think i think that really depends on the guy um feeling like a priority i would say you know if someone makes you a priority they're clearly very interested now why they're interested that's another conversation you don't, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily know again, depending on the person, but like, mm-hmm. I think if someone makes you a priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a very simply put great response. Thank you. I'm a simple man. <laughs> so, okay. So then that, so then I have a question, a follow-up mm-hmm. question. So there's a, there's a quote and kind of like a viral meme that's going around. That's like, if he's, if he likes you, you'll know. If not, you'll be confused. And do you feel like that's like very valid? No, I, I feel like that is something that someone made to sell a t-shirt. Um, I think that you don't necessarily know. And that's what makes it exciting. Mm-hmm. Like you, why do you need to be so sure how they feel when you're not even sure how you feel? Mm-hmm. That would be a good t-shirt. Think about how <laughs> think about how many times where you're like, I think I really like this person. I, I, I think I see a future with this person. And what are the operative words in there? I think. Mm-hmm. You're not sure. Mm-hmm. So why should that person be so sure either? You you might be trying to build something together, but that doesn't mean you definitely are. And and the getting to know someone and learning more and I've had situations where like the first week I've been swept off my feet and then suddenly I've been like, Oh no. Mm -hmm. So I was sure. And then I wasn't. And that, that, you know, that's the will they won't they of every classic sitcom. (laughs) It's because it's true. We don't know how we feel. Why would we expect whoever we're dating to be as sure as we want them to be, I guess like we, you can both want something without knowing that you're sure about it. Right. I think that's a great point. I think, I guess my point to that is I've had guys in my life that I really, I know a hundred percent they are into me and they want to pursue me. And that doesn't necessarily mean they want to marry me. That doesn't mean they they want to be in a relationship, but they definitely want to see where it goes. Yeah. And then I've had guys that are just kind of sending some mixed signals and it's frustrating. And it makes, because I have kind of this anxious side of me, it makes me a little anxious and then I feel insecure. And that's something that I'm working on. 
But I guess there's part of me that's like, okay, I know what it feels like when the guy's really into me. So if that isn't being shown to me, then I believe that they're not that into me. Most likely, yes. But I I just mean the idea of, you know, when when you know, you know, it's such a simplification, it's such an oversimplification of things. Yeah, no, I think that's different. I think that like the, you know, you know, that's a little different. I think this is more like, you're going to know, like, like you said, they're going to make you a priority, right? If someone's into you and they decide that they want to pursue you romantically, you should be a priority to some extent. And also I've been in situations where I've been dating someone that I wanted to like more than I did. And so I convinced myself that I did. So then they felt that I did even if I didn't feel that I did, because I convinced myself like it's a, Mm. and, and then I've been in situations also the same, the same way of like, where then you fall for someone and you go, Oh, right. This is, this is what it's like to actually fall for someone instead of to want to fall for someone. Cause it seems to make sense. Mm-hmm. So to that point, you know, that, that t-shirt phrase is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I just think that, I just think that it is a, it is a memification of something. It is an oversimplification of something. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's definitely, I think 100% isn't that black and white. But I think the majority, like, if you're uh, David Yaris, who was the the guy that was on my the last dating app, he said, if you're feeling like there's a red flag, then that's probably not the right situation for you. Like, if you, if you yes. feel like there's a red flag, believe it and and move on. Um, and actually I had just a recent situation where I was talking to a guy from hinge and he was very into me right off the bat, super sweet, super cool guy. And we had a FaceTime call and, um, it was really nice, but I just, I wasn't sure if I was feeling a romantic connection. And so I, I wanted to talk to him again and maybe even meet him, but I wanted to let him know that I just, I wasn't sure where is that I was at because I could tell he was so into it. And yeah. so I just, I just sent him a text and said, Hey, listen, I just want you to know, like, I I'm not sure if I feel a romantic connection, I'd like to keep chatting um, if you're open to it. But if you're looking for someone who's like really sure right off the bat, then that, that's totally fine. I understand. And he actually was like, yeah, actually that doesn't like sit well with me that you're having doubts already. And so I think we're going to move on. And that I totally respect that. You know, I think some other guys would have been like, yeah, I don't care. Like, how would you know? Like we should probably meet first. So I think there's different steps to that kind of thing. And especially like now with pandemic dating, it's a little different too. Yeah, you know, it, it's it like also a whole another like, field. Oh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. I was going to say it sounds like that guy has self respect, which is nice. Um, yeah. Like there's there's a, a line I, I'm paraphrasing from BoJack Horseman. Um, some of the effect of when you're wearing rose colored glasses, you can't tell what a red flag is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a hell of a line, and I, I think that that's true when you're when you're looking for something to be better than it is, you might ascribe artificial elements to it. Um, I, I also think that 
if that guy's super into you and you've been talking for a while and you're like, Hey, I'm not so sure of things. And he's like, all right, cool. No problem. I'm going to move on. I think it also depends on the level of connection that you had, the amount of time you were talking, et cetera. Um, cause also in that situation, I've been in situations where, you know, I was talking to a girl and she's like, well, you know, Oh, hold on. I don't want a boyfriend or anything. And I was like, I didn't ask you for that. <laughs> so you have to be like, you, you can't assume what the other person is thinking either. Yeah. And that's why I was like very straightforward with that person. And we had, I mean, here's why I said it because we had only been talking like a day Yeah, and I just, I really felt his, his liking to me. And it was just a little, it was a little much for me at the time, but I'm also a believer that for women, you can grow in attraction and I'm trying to be more open to kind of kind of being attracted to to someone that I maybe I'm not normally attracted to because I tend to keep falling for the same type of guy. So what you had a face. You can most of the time you can grow in attraction for sure. But at the same time, relationships get boring and monotonous after a while. Mm-hmm. If you start out at 80%, you're going to end up at zero. If you start out at a hundred percent, you got a shot to at least stay around 50. Mm-hmm. And the, like the monotony of life takes over the monotony of routine takes over. And so if you are forcing yourself to, Hey, I should like this person more. I should, Attraction is chemical. Mm-hmm. There's now look, there are people who you aren't attracted to at first. And as you get to know them, you, you grow an attraction to them. I've certainly had that happen in my life where you don't look at someone a certain way right away. And then once you notice it, boom, it's there. But if you're in the context of dating someone and you're already looking, trying to look at them that way and you're unable to, then forcing that isn't going to help. Yeah. But I arrange marriage. Yes, but I also think that it's a little different when you've had one FaceTime call. Like, how could you possibly know 100% if you're attracted to someone, you know? But what you do know is you're not at the same level he's on. And everybody everybody needs someone to match their level. I agree. Yeah. No, I think that's a great way to summarize it. Thank you. Okay, moving on. Um, Who pays for a date? I think part of it is whose idea the date was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not just like whose idea going out is, but who picked the place. Like if you're insisting and like, oh, you're going to love this place. Like, well, you should, you should probably pay for that then. I think it's complicated. I never want to feel like anyone's dating me to get a free meal. Mm-hmm. And that's a shitty feeling to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd imagine that it's the same as finding out that like, oh, the guy was just interested in seeing me naked and doesn't want to talk to me. It's feeling used. No matter what you're being used for, feeling used, whether you're being used for money or connections or your body, feeling used or a skill, you know, to mm-hmm. teach someone a skill, um, feeling used sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that there should be a, well, society dictates this. Um, if you are in a position where you have the money and you want to give someone a gift, you can give them a gift. But I also think it's, I think it's very attractive when a woman says, no, let me get it because I'm attracted to ambition. 
Mm-hmm. And with ambition comes independence. And with independence comes, you know, I've, I've got this. Mm-hmm. And I think the, I think a woman needing to be taken care of is fine, but not for me. That's not the mm-hmm. kind of person I want to date. I want to date a world beater. I want to mm-hmm. date someone who's a badass and a badass doesn't need someone to do everything for her. Yeah. But do you think that a woman liking for a man to pay for her meal is necessarily her needing him to take care of him, her, or is it, could it be that she just, it's like a gift. It's like, it makes her feel special. Like I said, gifts are fine. Expectation is not. And when you expect a gift, the gift doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. Like if you, it, if you expect your parents to give you $500 on your birthday and they give you $400 on your birthday, that seems like it wasn't generous. But if you expect nothing and they give you $400 on your birthday, you're like, holy shit, what an amazing thing. What, what kind of parents do you have? <laughs> ones ones that never. <laughs> I think the most I've ever gotten as a cash gift is $5. And that's for my grandmother. <laughs> um, I, my point was to pick something so amazingly generous. <laughs> that was the, the point of that was to pick something off the scale. The, yeah, I, I think that the expectation is the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think for me, so I'm a little bit more traditional. I like my doors open for me and I like to be paid for, but it's not because I expect those things. It's like those things make me feel like I'm cared for. They make me feel special. Um, Can I pay for my own meal? Yes. Can I open my own, own doors? Yes. So it's not like, it's not a symbolism that I'm a weak woman. I'm very strong and independent and I created my own life, but it, it, I, I guess I just, it's something that was given to me in my marriage. And so to me, it symbolizes, uh, like a really kind, it's like treating me in kindness almost. So what I'll do is like, um, like I don't even reach for my card anymore. (laughs) Not even the hollow gesture. But if uh, we go out to, to dessert afterwards or we go grab a coffee, I pay every time. So it's like, I think there's like kind of a balance of like, I'm not expecting to just be taken care of. It's more like, okay, that was a gift. So now let me offer you this gift and show my appreciation for that. Well, I, I went out a couple times with someone who is literally a billionaire. And I still paid for dinner because I asked her to dinner. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of 10, I'm paying on the first date. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean, but if, but if I'm with someone who expects me to pay, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And there are definitely, I agree with you. There are definitely women out there that are going on dates because they want free meals. And to me, that's very selfish and it is using men and that to me like I'm going on dates to like find my person so I mean I just to me like the guy paying or I actually I will say this if I go on a first date and I'm just not feeling it I will always offer to pay my half because I don't I'm not gonna expect that person to pay for me if I know I'm not gonna see them again by the way, you should tell people that you should put that in your Bumble and Hinge profile 
because what a what a specific sign to the guy like they'll know if you reach for that card that shit's over (laughs) um i i also think it's weird by the way i would so much rather give someone 50 bucks and eat alone than pay for a 50 dollar dinner and sit there for an hour with someone who doesn't have any intention of hanging out with me yeah, totally. Like, I would love to know up front, be like, hey, I just want the dinner. And I would be like, here, you know what? Here's 75, get a glass of wine. Yeah. <laughs> like, just just leave me the fuck alone. I have a phone. I'll be more entertained by that than someone who's using me. Yeah. Now, I also, I think that it's very important to show appreciation and to show affection and to show that you care. And there are a million ways to do that that don't involve you know, that don't involve picking up the tab for Chinese. Like Mm -hmm. there are so many ways to do that. There's, if you are at the point where you're serious enough cooking for somebody, you know, and not only cooking for somebody, but also cleaning up or Mm -hmm. you do something where if you do all the cooking then they can go, Hey, don't worry. I got the dishes because then they're showing that they care back. Mm -hmm. And there are so many actions that you can do that aren't from a 1950s movie. You know, you don't have to leave it to Beaver your relationship. You can, and I don't mean Beaver in the dirty way. I mean, like in the TV show way. Um, <laughs> you can, you can show someone you care without, without you know, reading that book, The Rules, or whatever that stupid thing was. The Rules. What is that? You don't know the rules. That's like the no. old. That's like the super old dating book for women about like the never call a man back, like that kind of. Oh garbage it's uh yeah they would hate they would hate me i break all those rules (laughs) yeah (laughs) so okay i have a thought on what you just said so um so eventually i'd like to do an episode on the the love languages but i think what you're talking about is we all have different love languages right there's a book called the five love languages uh there's for uh, relationships and for singles and essentially you know the the love languages are um words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, quality time, and touch, uh, touch. Yeah. So, so everybody's going to feel special or loved in a certain way of that. And that's why it's important to not necessarily judge from a first date. If like, I, I fall into this category If certain things aren't done for me on the first date, then I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I can do this. Like this is, these are the expectations, but I have to remember like, not everybody feels like they're loving someone in that way. Whereas me, I feel loved by gifts, right? And, and I'm not talking like, I'm not talking like Louis Vuitton shoes or or wait, yeah. Louis Vuitton shoes or purses. You're really asking the wrong person. <laughs> well, it's because I I'm- I assumed everything. I, assumed I'm, I don't know I like luggage. brands. <laughs> I've seen luggage, Louis Vuitton. There's lots of stuff. I just want gifts. I want like I think I the want... shoes are Louboutin, right? Which Louboutin, I Louboutin with Louis Vuitton, <laughs> and I was see, like, "Oh, you guys are real close. You guys on a nickname see, basis now. You and Louis." No, see, you did know. I were the right, right person. All right. <laughs> so, so and and then words of affirmation. Like, I need to know. Like, do you think I'm pretty? And uh, wow, you look really nice tonight. Or you know, oh, I really enjoyed this, blah, 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 where it sounds like you, like maybe you're more acts of service. Like you like it when someone shows you appreciation by doing something for you. Actually, my love languages are words of affirmation and touch. 
Oh, really? Um, yes. Now, I was just giving, you know, an example of other things that show that you care for someone. Mm-hmm. I, I have gone from, you know, a, an immature teenager who didn't understand, like, and not just immature teenager, I think one of the things that I try that I try to get across to other guys is that like we evolve over the course of our lives and we should not expect boys to be men. Mm. And I did not consider myself a feminist until I was married. Mm -hmm. And we had had multiple, you know, not arguments, but debates back and forth of, you know, one of the, the first one, one I can remember very, very vividly was she was talking about, she works in the business world. She was talking about how it's so frustrating because, you know, the guys all golf together and she can't go with them. And I was like, well, you don't golf though. And she's like, well, I'd never be invited. I was like, but you don't know how to golf. So of course you're Mm -hmm. not going to be invited. And what I didn't understand is that she could be a scratch golfer and that wouldn't have mattered. Mm -hmm. And it took me being in such proximity with someone for seven years to really learn the ins and outs of like, oh, this is her daily life. Oh, this is what she deals with. Mm-hmm. And so I had to evolve through that. Now, when I did, I also started forming my own opinions of the idea of like a guy lessening himself to a woman, i.e. the car door, putting a jacket on a puddle, the kind of 1950s bullshit does not, to me, that doesn't show her respect. To me, that shows patriarchy it shows hierarchy there are so many other ways when you get in a car with someone you don't have to open their door but you can let them choose the song you can let them play with the air conditioning or the heat or whatever the hell they want to do in order to make themselves comfortable a door is a symbol it's not it doesn't mean anything but couldn't you say that about a wedding ring too i mean a wedding ring is like showing that you're like someone's property almost it absolutely is and the day i like when i proposed and i got the engagement ring i went out and i got myself one too because i do think it's a little bit archaic and so i was like well if this is something that you're gonna do because this is what society does i'll do it too mm-hmm. and so there are ways to there are ways to handle that mm-hmm. without you know without living in pleasantville Yeah, I mean, I totally see your point. I just disagree that it has to be such a black and white thing of if someone, if a guy opens a door for a woman, she is this 1950s housewife. I'm not, I'm saying if she needs the door open, to me, that, that shows a need that it shows to me an artificial need. It shows, it it doesn't show, um, you know, and I know that, look, we're butting heads on this and we're probably never going to come to a conclusion on this. And, you know, at some point we'll have cards that just have a remote that open doors and that'll make things a lot easier. <laughs> but the, the idea of needing that, that's what, that's, again, that's the difference between a gift and an expectation of a gift. Okay. Well, let me tell you this. I'm going to, I'm going to, or uh, let me say this. Okay. I can't wait for the hate mail, by the way. Yeah. Do you need sex in a relationship? Do I need sex in a relationship? Yeah. Otherwise it's a friendship. Well, not well yeah okay i mean i think you can have a romantic relationship without having sex but 
Um, okay. So you're saying you need sex and that's a way for you to feel connected to that person. So now, now some... I don't need sex in my car. That's a, that's a huge <laughs> distinction there. Oh, car sex is great though. Um, <laughs> so if a woman feels loved yeah. by her car door being open, that's something that she's needing, not necessarily expecting, but she's needing in a relationship. Don't mm -hmm. you think as a partner, if she expresses that need, that it would be respectful for you to give that to her? If that is the one thing we disagree on, sure. But my point is that just because someone isn't perfect for you doesn't mean they're not perfect for someone else. And so if you need your car door open, go find you someone that loves opening car doors. And if you, <laughs> and if you need your sushi paid for, go find someone that loves buying sushi. And if you need someone to never touch your car door, go find someone who's already sitting in the driver's seat. And if you need to, to pay for everything, find someone who doesn't go for their credit card. Like the, you find someone who's an actual match, not someone who is close enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I agree with that mostly, but I also think that <laughs> you agree with that close enough, close enough. But I also think that there are compromises that have to be made in any relationship. Right. Absolutely. And so if you meet, if you find someone that, fits a lot of those things and yet they don't open the door or yet they expect to be paid for or whatever, but you like all of these other things, then I think compromise can be like, okay, I'm going to give up that thing because I really want to be with this person. Right. And it's a question of how important it is to you. Like mm -hmm. there are things that are, you know, we call them deal breakers, but what deal breakers are, are just the most important things to you. Mm -hmm. And so like to me, you know, I joked about it before, but racism is a deal breaker. I will not spend, I will not spend my life with someone trying to teach them to be less racist. Like <laughs> if they are that, then I'm not interested. Um, I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. But I mean, not for, not for racist people. They, they love it. Oh, <laughs> such fans. Uh, big phone, number one fingers for it. Now only the white fingers, but the, <laughs> The point is, it, it compromise happens from both people. Compromise doesn't mean one person sacrifices. And it means you, you both sacrifice things that are not as important to you because you have the things that are. Mm -hmm. And so if someone opening a car door for you is top 10 on your list, then you need that. If it's not so important, well, then you can give it up. But if it is relatively important, and for someone else, having to go open one isn't that important. Well, then they can sacrifice that. Mm -hmm. And so there are there's there's give and take in that way as well. But the thing that I learned from getting divorced is, and I find often that I get along with divorced people very well. And it's because I learned a couple of lessons. I learned that life is not a fairy tale. I learned that it's okay that life is not a fairy tale. And I also learned that we are the protagonist in our own story. And every one of us is perfectly allowed to be selfish because there's nothing wrong with being alone. And if you're afraid of being alone, that means you're afraid of yourself. If you are happy with who you are, then you can be alone for a while until you find the right person. Trying to find someone that isn't the right fit is because you're afraid of being alone. Mm. Very well said. Thank you. That went very deep, but I like it.
It's it's part of my TED talk. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I would never do a TED talk. They have never paid anyone. They suck. <laughs> okay, I have so many more questions for you. Um, okay. As it turns out, we're not going anywhere, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, we're at the Nowhere Club. Yeah. How has the Me Too movement affected how men pursue and communicate with women? Um, I think there are a lot. <laughs> there are a lot of cavemen. That there's an Australian comedian. Oh, I, w- I wish I know her. I knew her name. I saw her doing a show at a showcase show, and I don't know her name because she has a bit that's one of my favorite bits. It's so perfectly done about that, where she says, "I understand a lot of guys are nervous right now. You know, there are guys who are like, can I even flirt anymore? Can I ask a woman out? Can I even finger a woman while she sleeps? I mean, what's okay?" <laughs> It's such a funny bit because it it just really shows the idea of like, guys, don't be fucking stupid. There are clear lines. Now, there are things that I didn't think, I didn't think about power dynamic as much as I thought about it after that came out. Like the idea that you cannot think that you're a big deal, but if someone else thinks that you are above them in your industry, no matter how self-deprecating you can be, no matter how you know, how little self-esteem you might have, like you still, there's still a power dynamic to be considered. And so that's something that I have been very, very thoughtful of ever since that stuff started coming out, because I started thinking of like, okay, well, if someone's a comic for five years and they're interested in flirting with me, well, I've been a comic for 17 years and am I ahead of this person? And if I'm ahead of this person, what does it mean to talk about work and dating with them and, and trying to understand that stuff? Mm. Um, the, during, uh, during the Brett Kavanaugh monstrosity confirmation, mm-hmm. um, I, is it, is it, can you tell which side of politics I'm on? And, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think where's your make America great again hat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> God, if I ever had one of those, it'd only be to burn it. Uh, what was I saying? The oh, the Brett Kavanaugh thing. So I, I, I did a joke for a while about how you're statistically, as a guy, you are statistically more likely to be raped than to be falsely accused of rape. That is a hundred percent true. Hmm. Interesting. And so, if you are truly afraid. If you're going through life on a daily basis, being like, what if I get accused? You should also walk around with your back to the wall at all times because (laughs) play the odds. The, the idea of, and look, I know multiple people who have been falsely accused and it has destroyed their lives and it's fucking awful. But at the same time, there are very few women I know that have never been assaulted. Mm Mm-hmm. I can name three guys who have been falsely accused. I, but I how think do you know they're falsely accused? It is it has come out. Um, one was um, one was actually a step niece, and when she grew up, she later admitted that like yeah, I was just trying to get attention, and it's like oh, because he's a sex offender and he spent two years in jail. You fuck. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, there was someone else. Uh, there was a comic who like went on a couple of dates with another comic. And then she started like spreading veiled rumors of like, I'm just kind of uncomfortable around him, you know, cause of what he did, like stuff like that. Mm. And then later on she apologized and said it was cause she was off her meds. And mm. it's like, okay, great. Cause he lost months of work over that. Mm. 
And so that does happen, but mm-hmm. it is with such rarity as compared to what women go through. And I think that, you know, I think that me too, if you're a decent human being, me too made you examine, okay, what have I done in my life? Are there moments where I went too far? Are there moments where, you know, you have that, especially I'm 40 years old. And so when I was in my early twenties, you know, that's a time where like we didn't know as much as we know now. And you think back and you go, Oh God, I hope I comported myself well. And I think I have. Um, But hopefully it makes you examine yourself instead of being like, this is bullshit. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the, I think the whole thing of like the guy being like, well, I don't know what I can even do anymore. Just like be a decent human being. Yeah. And you'll know what to do. Here here's the difference, okay? If a random section of a hundred women I have met were called into a room, and I mean in any circumstances, whether it's dating or professional or however I met them, were called into a room, how many of those women would say I'm a decent human being? If your answer is not probably a hundred, then work on yourself. Hmm. I like that. Thank you. Okay. Um, why do men ghost? I think ghosting is the dumbest shit, frankly. I I hate it so much. The only time I've ever ghosted someone is, and I've made the joke before, she was racist, um, <laughs> which is ironic because you'd think they'd really enjoy ghosts with the hoods and the, anyway. So <laughs> I, I think it is such that's okay i appreciate i'm a comic i appreciate a laugh the times that i was not super interested in someone and they were still hitting me up and i wrote back a hey i'm you know i'm sorry but i i've thought about and i've decided i'm just not interested has been such a relief it's like what leads up to it is this moment of panic but then when you get that message out it feels great. Yeah. I was saying most of the time it has been very well received and the, you know, two or three times it hasn't been, I've also been able to be like, huh, I was right. <laughs> so yeah. it's fine. I, I always tell my friends, like, listen, you send the text and you're not responsible for what the response is. Like that's, yeah. that's not on you. Just be honest. And you gave that person what, you needed to, and you were respectful, probably more so than more people. And that's all you can do. Yeah. Just be honest. You know, when you send it, don't be like, ugh, gross, you know, like, don't do that. But, uh, you know, if you send a, a compassionate, no, then that is, then you're not gonna have them hit you up anymore. Or if they do, you can block them with no consequence. Then you, then you can ghost. Yeah. Once you sent the text. So, so my theory of why men ghost and, and I think women ghost for different reasons. Okay. I want to okay, hear this. So, okay. So here's my theory. Uh, so I think the, okay, I'll just say this. I'll clump everybody together. I think the people that ghost 
they lack an emotional awareness of what they're really feeling and or how to express their feelings. So instead of being aware of that or knowing how to express it, because maybe they didn't get those tools growing up, they just decided that the best thing is just to not do anything at all to ignore the other person's feelings and to do what they think is the easiest thing, which is to never speak to them again. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's immaturity. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, I think there are times when ghosting is appropriate in terms of like what you said, like once you send a text and you end it, or if you're trying to end a relationship or whatever, and that person isn't respecting that, then for sure. Like once you've spoken your truth, then, you know. Yeah. Like if you've already told them no, and they keep asking, you've already given them an answer. It's perfectly fine to, yes, you know, but I think the idea of just disappearing, it's so just fucking tell somebody and, and, or show, you don't even have to be as blatant as like, no, thank you. I'm not interested. You could also just show you're not interested by being boring or there's a million other things of, you know, Hey, what are you up to? Nothing. How you doing? Bored, busy, whatever it is. Like there's a million other ways to show you're not interested. Kind of like a soft ghost. Yeah, even if you don't want to, yeah, exactly. Just a just a half ghost, you know. It's like a <laughs> like a haunting, but a pleasant one. Um, it's a half ass ghost. Yeah, exactly. Even if uh, it's, it's yeah, someone dead from the waist down. Oh, that's a different thing. <laughs> so yeah, just 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 don't be, you know. And that's if you don't have the courage to actually say something. But just say mm-hmm. something. Communication is important, and the vast majority of people. I can't tell you how many times, because I travel so much, I've been in, for the last 17 years, I've been in so many situations where like, I met someone, we hit it off, we were talking, I didn't live anywhere near them, and then they would start dating someone who lived near them. Like, it got to the point where like, I knew that phone call so well that I could just be like, what's his name? Like, it was just like, I knew what was coming. Mm -hmm. But my response is generally something to the effect of like, yeah, if it doesn't work out, let me know. And if it does, you know, invite me to the wedding. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what do you mean? Me, I was supposed to be the one. Like, what do you just fucking, you know, be an adult. And, and I can't tell you how many women have been like surprised by that response, which makes me wonder or not even wonder, but makes me understand what kind of response they would usually get from a guy that they turned down. I'm just like, fuck you, bitch. I didn't like you anyway. And yeah. Dumb shit I, like that. I did think you were going to say, I've been surprised by how many weddings I've been invited to. No, no, no. Although I have had situations where like, you know, match with someone on an app, talking to them, flirty a little bit. We haven't met yet. And then all of a sudden, I just see an Instagram post of theirs that's just like, so good to be with my true love. And I'm like, when the fuck did this, when did this happen? There was one who was pregnant. I was like, oh, damn. What was, what What kind of fight did you guys have in the meantime? Was I, was I the, in the break? Like what wow. happened there? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, that I think this will be the last one here, but, um, yeah. so I had a, a listener specifically had a situation and I'm going to get, we wanted to get your input on it of like what was going through his mind and kind of 
what happened behind it. So basically the, the first question is what's the point of extreme mixed signals? And then the second part, I'll just kind of read to you kind of what her specific situation was. So she goes for months, this guy texts me every day. He eventually tells me all about his day and calls and FaceTimes and asks for advice and tells very personal things, but doesn't really want to know her story to that extent and doesn't reciprocate like the safe space eventually says he's her boyfriend. So then she returns the sentiment like a little bit later, like, okay, yeah, I'm, you know, I feel the same way. Uh, She says, I was apprehensive about the thing, which is a sign itself. Then once she returned the sentiment, this person took it back and acted surprised and says, you read it the wrong way. Um, And then, so then at that point, she's caught these feelings and then it kind of took her for the loop. And now she's worried to date again because she's worried she's going to find herself in a situation with this guy who's like giving her these huge mixed signals. And so I have my thoughts on this, but like, I want to hear your thoughts too. Okay. My thought is that that person is unstable. Yeah. Not the, not the woman, the guy. Um, my, my thought is that he needed a therapist. He needed to feel loved. And as soon as he got that, that is, that was the prize. And then he didn't want to feel that anymore. Also Mm. with a possibility, you know, with a, with a slight chance of rain here in that right around the same time that he was like, okay, I'm going to be her boyfriend. He might've been pursuing someone else, gotten rejected by them. And then, and it had nothing to do with her. He just used her to fill that void and then had more possibilities or something like that. There, there can be other things that happen in that person's life that have nothing to do with you. They don't even need to be, you know, sexual in any way. They, they could be potentially, you know, he could be going through something with his job or something with his family where he is pouring all of that into this person and then things work out and then he doesn't need that. You know, he graduated from therapy or whatever mm-hmm. it is, but mm-hmm. either way, it doesn't sound like it was ever mutual. The people who are crazy aren't the people who fall madly in love quickly. That seems to be castigated by society. The people who are crazy are the people who are on again, off again for seven years and then eventually get married because they're afraid. That to Mm. me is crazy Mm. because you've had the chance to find out how many times you were wrong. Mm. And so, and if she's listening or watching or whatever, do not punish everyone for the sins of one person you met someone who's a shithead and you know what you're going to meet a lot of shitheads i travel with my dog and people always ask me well how do you find a hotel room that takes your dog and i go well there are some hotels that take dogs or yeah but a lot of hotels don't And i go turns out we only need one room Mm -hmm. same thing you don't need everyone to not be crazy you just need one person to not be crazy. Mm-hmm. So it's fine if you run into a bunch of crazy people on the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great view into what was happening. And I think I, I, I mean, I agree so much in that it was never mutual from the beginning. And I think my, my advice to this listener would be, 
continue to find the security and respect within yourself so that when this, when you start to see these signs, because maybe this is the type of person that you tend to be attracted to, when you start to see them right away, cut it off. Like don't stay in it as long because uh, the, I, I think that, so going back to kind of what we first talked about, like if he's into you, you'll know if he's not, you'll be confused. This guy sounds like he was super confused and also, if you're hanging out with someone that doesn't truly want to get to know you and they just want to talk to you about themselves, that's a huge sign right there. They mm-hmm. they are very into themselves. And for some reason, they're going through some shit. And they just, like you said, they need some therapist. They need someone. And you just happen to be that person. And, you know, it is unfortunate. But also, like, we have to take responsibility for that ourselves because if we're continuing to put ourselves in that situation then we're responsible for that right so um so i think there's that's a balance of it of just try and recognize that from the beginning not everybody is like that and be have the strength and emotional security to cut that off when you need to. And then also like, don't beat yourself up for going through the situation because I think we've all been there where we've been really hurt by someone that we really liked and we thought they liked us, but we weren't sure. And we were trying to get the, the benefit of the doubt and then they didn't follow through. So also like, don't judge yourself for that. And I think, you know, let this person just be and get the help that they need. And hopefully they will. And, and you just do you. It also sounds to me like she wasn't too into him either. Oh, no. Like, it no, sounds, it was. sounds. <laughs> was? Okay. Well, I know this, I know this listener. She was definitely into Okay. Him, Cause it just sounded like when she like slowly reciprocated back that she was his girlfriend. That to me sounded like. Well, I think she was, so I think she was trying not to scare him away the whole time. So she she was interested, but she was holding back. Yes. So she was interested. She was kind of holding back. She didn't want to scare him away. She was waiting. She was, I, I mean, I felt like the whole time she did a really good job of like staying in her space and waiting for him to kind of figure out what he was doing. And he just really, he screwed her over and, you know, that is on him, but also like, I want for her in the future and for anybody who's going through this type of situation to be able to kind of identify and recognize that sooner. So Yeah. And here and here's what I will say. We've all been on bad dates. We've all had bad relationships. Um all they are is a way for you to get closer to your friends. Mm. Because it gives you stuff to talk about. Mm. It's I I always think back to like the thing I hate most in life is being bored and I'm very rarely bored. I'm only bored when I'm like forced to be in a situation I don't want to be in. And I was on a date with someone and within two minutes I was like, Oh no, when will this end? Yeah. Been there. And you know what? At the time that 48 minutes. Yes, exactly. 48 minutes. Um, (laughs) That 48 minutes was mind-numbingly boring. But that 48 minutes has given me hours of entertainment ever since. Mm -hmm. Because I've talked to buddies about it, and we've joked about it. It's become this running thing. And like, so was it that bad? No. No, it wasn't that Mm -hmm. bad because it it gave us something. And so as long as you have a circle or or even one other person to talk about stuff like this with, then, you know, one of my closest friends, we got divorced around the same time. 
and we've we learned to navigate the dating apps around the same time and we talk to each other about the stuff and it's great and it, it helps to have mm-hmm. someone to listen to and someone for that listens to you and that's kind of what this guy was looking for in a way i think mm-hmm. um but that's it's hard to do that in that situation because then you can't talk about data but uh the, the the point is basically that like absolutely don't beat yourself up about this because like all this was all this was was a was a good story mm-hmm. yeah i agree i mean i have a podcast now because i have a million crazy stories from all of my dating experiences and i think it all of the bad stuff grows us as people and then we can go into the next you know dating experience or relationship and just continue to get better and yeah well i think that's kind of a good way to wrap things up do you do you have any last words of wisdom for my listeners um i mean speaking on behalf of all men i think you are a man right uh look the definition keeps changing so it's hard to <laughs> But I will say that everyone thinks they're doing a good job. Everyone thinks they're the hero. Everyone thinks they're the good person. No matter how little self-esteem you have, you still think enough of yourself. And the evil, the evil guys don't know they're evil. The evil women don't know they're evil. And so... I would say my last words are just, if you're one of the good ones, you fight the good fight and you know, you'll be hurt more, but I'd rather, I'd rather be hurt more than be hurting other people. And so just be one of the good ones and it doesn't really matter who the bad ones are. And that's why I don't give a fuck when I see a meme about how guys are shitty because I know I'm not, I know the meme's not talking about me. Oh, that was really sweet. That kind of brought tears to my eyes. Thank well, you. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. Well, where can my listeners find you? So uh, I am doing live shows in this pandemic, but they are not in person. Um, I'm doing digital what? shows at the, at the nowhere comedy club. Um, so you, can, <laughs> you can go to nowherecomedyclub.com. It is a full comedy club experience from the comfort of your own home. Assuming your home is comfortable. Uh, if your home is <laughs> uncomfortable, we cannot help you with that. Work on that. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a ton of fun and I'm doing full headline sets as well as every Saturday night. I do I actually do a Q and a show, um, with Daniel Muggleton. It's called ask us anything. And it's, you know, part game show, part talk show, part stand up. Um, so yeah, check it out at nowherecomedyclub.com. And if you want to see my social media, uh, it's just at Steve Hofstetter on pretty much everything. Okay. And Hofstetter is H O F S T E T T E R. The biggest career accomplishment I have is that Google will correct you if you spell it wrong. Shut up. It's It's been enough. I mean, look, if you spell it really wrong, if you spell it like Steve Johnson, it's not going to be like, did you mean Hofstetter? Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but if you start, I think if you get to Steve H-O-F, there also is a racist South African singer named Steve Hoffmeyer. And unfortunately, <laughs> every now and then someone will tweet me some hate shit about like to him. And I'm like, I'm a different guy. You could tell because my name is different and so is my face. But um, yeah, Steve Hofstetter, if you want, if you get to HOFS, it knows the rest. Okay, awesome. So and then they can also find you on your YouTube channel. Yes, my YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash the Hofstetter. 
Um, but again, you can put Steve Hofstadter on YouTube. It'll, it'll come up. Okay. Well, thank you, Steve, so much for joining me today. You were amazing. And I really appreciated all of your uh, wonderful words of wisdom. Leanna, it was an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to find out all the things I was wrong about. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there were many, many things. Um, but like I said, we're all just trying to do our best. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Thank you, Steve, again, for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule to come on the show. I so appreciate you being here. Just as a reminder, make sure to follow me on Instagram at hello and goodbye podcast at underscore Leanna Joan. Again, you can follow Olive if you want to at Olive Oil Pause. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And guys, that rating is so important. So if you can just take 15 seconds to head over to the Apple podcast app, click on hello and goodbye and click that five star rating. I would really appreciate that. Other than that, I will see you guys next time and bye.